G'day legends and welcome to the Unbeatable series where we'll be hearing from inspirational, influential and impactful souls to empower you to live your unbeatable life. Keep thriving and enjoy. Oh man, I am so grateful to call Kath Cashella mate and I am so bloody grateful to have her back on the podcast for you legendary listeners. If you haven't listened to the first episode with Kath, it was number 17, way back in 2017 actually, and it's an absolute must of a listen to understand why I invited her onto this unbeatable series. If breaking her back on two separate occasions and learning to walk for the third time in her life wasn't enough to break her, losing her partner, the love of her life, to suicide pushed her terrifyingly close to the edge. She also fought off a tumor, almost got her leg amputated, and has experienced her own mental health battles. Through her astounding resilience, Kath was able to create joy out of sorrow to become one of Australia's youngest CEOs and the founder of the global movement and not-for-profit organization, Kindness Factory. Kath is also a former New South Wales cricketer and has competed in Ironman series events. She's definitely a bit of an athlete, not a bit of an athlete, she's definitely a bloody athlete. She has more fight in her than most professional athletes ever would. Kat's story is one of inspiration and utter strength. From hospital bed, defying a prognosis of paralysis, to setting up the global movement that drives her everyday desire to create a world where people are kinder to one another. There's been more than a few significant bumps along the way, but Kath has never let the setbacks get the better of her. With her physical and mental resilience, she has pulled herself through the challenges that most of us could not comprehend. For most of us, that's what would beat us. But for Kath, she didn't let them defy her. She didn't become a victim to those. And in actual fact, it has built up her capacity to be more kind. When I think of people living unbeatable lives, I think of, and I'm deeply inspired by, Kath Cashel. And that's why she's the first guest in this unbeatable series. And if you're sitting there thinking and listening, what's this unbeatable series you're talking about, Robbo? Just go back and listen to the short episode, number 192, where I explain all about what this unbeatable series is. Kath's new book is coming out Feb 2023, and I'm pumped to see the ripple effect from this piece of art. And before we hear from Kath, if you're a bloke and you're a business owner or an entrepreneur or a professional and a leader in any capacity and you're keen to experience more energy and inspiration, thriving relationships and unlock midlife mastery, you're in luck. I have Unbeatable You kicking off October 24th. Unbeatable You is not a program. It's a way of life. It brings together a tribe of men and mentors who desire to play the game of life at a higher level so you can lift your game to new heights. We focus on energy through mind, body, and breath so you consistently feel energized and inspired. We focus on your business and leadership capacities so you generate a greater impact and find that drive and passion for what you do again. 
We focus on you as a mission-led man because evidence clearly shows that men on an aligned mission don't live mediocre lives. We focus on optimizing your relationships. Firstly, the relationship with yourself so you eliminate relationship drag and only experience thriving relationships in your life. And we focus on you as part of our unbeatable tribe because we know that your environment dictates your success and being surrounded and supported by other men who are playing the game at a higher level will motivate, inspire, and support you to get more out of life again. So you can check out all those details at brettrobbo.com forward slash unbeatable you. Even if you're listening to this after October 24th, 2022, you can still jump online and read all about this way of life and also find out then when the next kickoff date is for you to join us. brettrobbo.com forward slash unbeatable you. Okay, now let's hear from the legend herself, Kath Cashel. Kath Cashel, you bloody legend. Welcome back to Your Life of Impact. Oh, stoked to be here. Bloody, I've missed you. I've missed you too. We've It's been almost five <laughs> years to the date. So it was October 2017 that I released your episode. So it was almost five years ago. You and I have caught up a few times in person. I ducked out to the airport and had a coffee with you one time. You came around for lunch up at the Goldie. So we've caught up and we've stayed connected. But to, to connect here and have a good old yarn and actually record it for the listeners, I'm super grateful that you've made the time and I'm stoked to be to connect with you again. Likewise. I, I follow you on social media, so I feel like we um, I know you better than we probably do, but um, we're old friends, I think. Um, Absolutely. To put it, but yeah, no, loving, loving watching your life unfold and, and I'm very lucky to call you a friend. So thanks for having me again. Likewise. And it's about time I got you back on because your episode, even though it was five years ago, is still one of the most referenced and shared episodes of the podcast. And even it was just last week, I had two guys. Uh, one guy screenshotted it and said, shit, I can't believe it's taken me this long. What an episode. Loved it. And then one of my clients, he said, I've finally listened to that episode with Kath and holy shit, what a great episode. So there's still people listening to it for the first time and even up five years later <laughs> and getting a lot out that. of it. Amazing. So five years ago, we chatted a lot about uh, your life and uh, the goods, the highs, the lows, and uh, a lot of the the challenges and adversities uh, that you'd been through. And for everyone that hasn't listened to that episode, uh, I highly recommend you do. Everyone that hasn't listened to it since then, I highly recommend you go back to it again. But Kath, five years on, how how is life now? What's what's Kath Cashel up to? Oh, geez, plenty. Um, so Kindness Factory is going from strength to strength. We now are registered charity in three countries. Um, so here in Australia, um, in the US and, and also the UK. So um, as part of that, we're, we're focusing on primary education. So having an influence on children as early as possible with that lens of of kindness and, and gratitude and empathy and perspective and all the things that we sort of talk about. Um, I guess we realised as an organisation not too long ago that, um, you know, it's, it's almost too late by, by the time a child's 12 to have an influence um, in that 
in that kind of development space of a child's brain and and their psyche and and their well-being and all those sorts of things. So we made a, a very strategic decision to get our kindness curriculum, which is based off of 12 attributes of kindness um, to a primary only audience. Um, and that's now being used by 3,000 schools in Australia, which is something Brilliant. that I'm immensely proud of. Um, and that's in partnership with Kaplan, of course. So as an organisation, um, you know, in the last five years, we, we've grown immensely. I think back then I was probably at 200,000 acts, 200, acts of kindness when I were at 4.2 million, I think. You were at 10,000 acts of kindness back then at, in, in October 2017, yeah, and now you're at 4.2 million acts of kindness that have been logged on online. Is that right? Yeah, well, I love that you know that because I, I think I even remember, you know, the inner critic that everyone seems to have, um, which I've gotten a lot better at, at removing as best I can from my life. But, you know, back then at 10,000, it was, you know, I'll never get to a million or um, a lot of people would say, you know, it's a long way from a million. And my response was also, it's also a long way from zero, um, mm. 10,000, but you've got to start somewhere. Um so I asked you I'm, I'm in that episode, what's what's your what's the the mission? And you said the mission is to hit a million acts of kindness. We're at now ten thousand four hundred and something. You said, and and we said, wow. I said to you, you will you'll hit a million and you'll go beyond that. And here you are, five years later, at four point two million. That's amazing. I'm stoked that we could do this. I was actually just in a meeting prior to this, and um, and I was saying to someone. In, in 2019, I heard um, it was an academic from Kaplan. His name's James um, Adenopoulos, and he's someone who I just respect enormously. He's been through um, a pretty big ordeal himself and has come out on the right side of that, just wanting to be the best that he can be um, for others. And I remember him saying it was a quote by a professor um, that was in front of him at the time who said, if you're not embarrassed by where you were 12 months ago, uh, you're not learning enough. Mm. And when he said it, I remember like exactly where I was. I was at this conference centre um, in Darling Harbour in Sydney and I just, you know, how you, do, you sort of start to incorporate that in your own life and I started thinking back and I was like, where was I 12 months ago and what was I doing and who, who was I impacting and what was going on and and he was right. I was like, wow, 12 months ago I hadn't met these people. I hadn't learnt these things. Um, I was doing this. And it's, it's been a really good guidepost for me to sort of always reflect back on what was I doing 12 months ago? And, and in this meeting I just had now, I was like, wow, 12 months ago, we hadn't learned half of what we know now. And we're now ready to go into 23 with this information that we've just learned and all those sorts of things. So for you to be able to tell me where I was five years ago on that podcast at 10,000 10, acts of kindness, I mean, that that tally that goes up on the daily, which, yeah, is it now 4.2 and, and you predicted it. So well done you. Um, <laughs> You know, I, that, that was our sole purpose, which is reach mm. 1 million acts of kindness. We don't even think about that now. Our, our, our sort of mission now is to, I guess, one, redefine kindness. So I think mm. so often it's almost seen as or interlinked with niceness, um, and I think it's the ultimate strength. So we're sort of working hard at redefining that for for communities around the world, but also with this focus on primary education, how do we really prevent a lot of the unnecessary suffering that goes on in the world. And what I mean by that is um, I've just written a book and it just kept popping up as this theme, this theme of unnecessary suffering. And what I mean by that is um, life's really hard. Like none of us are ever going to go through life without adversity or hardship or suffering. 
you know, people die, unfortunately, natural disasters happening and happen and, and life happens and, and it's hard and it's hard to get through and that impacts us. So why, therefore, is there so many instances of unnecessary suffering? So things like domestic violence or bullying in schools or gun violence or war or whatever, they're these man-made adversities and I don't think they need to occur. And so I guess we're really trying to eradicate that. Um, this notion that we really don't have to put any more pressure on ourselves and, and any more un, unnecessary suffering that happens because life is always going to be difficult at certain points in our life. So therefore, let's just choose kindness. Um, and so I guess that's sort of the path that we've now sort of started to go down. And, and that's been five years of learning. This is, this is really exciting for me to be able to sort of see the progress that we've have over five, that we've had over five years. I should probably listen to that episode as well and see where I went. It's like going. <laughs> Yeah, I'll shoot it through to you. It could be a good thing because uh, what you're saying there, but uh, the evolution of what I, and what I'm hearing here, there's a few things I want to go back to. But first of all, while we're on that, with that unnecessary suffering, you know, I heard something years ago where they say um, pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. And when you look at that from the mm-hmm. human experience, when that's when we hold on to the pain, uh, the experience, and we don't utilize it to grow from and that we you know we and i say this without judgment but we we fall into victim mode and we become victims of our circumstances and and therefore the the suffering is the the ongoing experience of that where we relive it and we go back to and we are the you know poor us or we experience that that anger and that resentment or that sadness or whatever it might be and then there's nothing wrong with that but it's just when we're consistently in those kind of states that it doesn't allow us to truly live the life that we desire and deserve so not just that man-made stuff but with that unnecessary suffering i hear and and tell me how the um the kindness factory works on this because when i think of unnecessary suffering i think of people who have a low self-esteem low confidence they have that kind of imposter syndrome and you know really simple things like that but day-to-day life where uh, there's that unnecessary suffering how does the what are the kindness uh kind of principles that align with that yeah, it's a really good question, um, and I love sort of what you. I I, I do love that. I, I'd love to know your thoughts actually on, um, and I'll, I'll answer your question in a roundabout way. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on post-traumatic stress versus post-traumatic growth. So PTSD versus PTSD, I guess. Um, so post-traumatic stress disorder versus post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic growth sorry um and 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 I've got a bit of a theory about this obviously you know I've had some the influence of wonderful psychologists I think one's been a a guest on this podcast um who've really shaped the person that I am that have probably flicked me I I dare say I've never really considered myself to be a victim through the you know the adversities that I've been through but that doesn't make me any extra special or better than anyone else in in my view I think it just means that I've seen my adversities in a very different way that others may not have and I think it really came from a a point of self-awareness as well um the second time I broke my back after being hit by a car it really it was a very traumatic experience in that you know it was a near-death experience all those sorts of things but in the recovery of that um I felt like I already had the toolkit having done it once before and also being through some emotional turmoil and the loss of a partner and all those sorts of things I sort of felt like I knew myself through going and growing through those things well enough that I could tackle that obstacle 
um, I'm not going to say easier, but I had a lot more self-awareness to be able to go, what worked the first time? And for me, it was gratitude and it was, you know, support networks. So it was family and friends and it was kindness. And so when I was having a bad day or, if, you know, people were telling me I was never going to walk again or as I'm at rehab or whatever it was, all I needed to do really knowing who I was was go, maybe today I can just write down three things that I'm grateful for because I know gratitude works for me. Um, and it might not be as profound for others, but I know that that's a huge value of who I am. Um, second to that, you know, people, I'm really driven by people in my life who always show up for me. And so not necessarily to have to ring them and go, hey, I'm struggling. Can you get me through this? More just, hey, tell me about your day and let me connect with you so that I can either get distracted from my environment or just to know that you're going, okay, is, mm. is enough for me um, or kindness either to myself or toward others. And I think that has always the level of self-awareness or sometimes even self-acceptance can push you more toward that PTSG versus um, PTSD, mm. in my view. Um, that was a, that's a really interesting one. Um, and I really like how you sort of brought that up. What was the quote you said? It's um, pain is... pain is. Uh, so pain is inevitable. inevitable and suffering is a choice. I, so I do believe in that, like more so... Um, I think having gone through many different types of adversities in my life as well, one thing that's really stood out to me um, when I guess you, because I do think suffering is a choice, I think you're absolutely right. Um, however, what I will say to that from my learnings so far is that when we can make sense of an adversity, it's much easier to process it and to grow from it. When we can't make sense of it, it becomes a lot more difficult in my view. I'm not an expert. I don't have the doctorates, the thesis, the any of that kind of stuff, just a lot of lived experience. Um, here's an example. We hear from a lot of people, either suicidal, um, have gone through bullying, have gone through some pretty tough stuff. Um, and talk about bullying for a second. I was a kid who, you know, grew up with a bush upbringing, family values, all those sorts of things, probably not too dissimilar to you. And, and sport was my thing, so loved it. And I think that gave me a bit of a resilience coding. I never feel like, I, I'm sure everyone's bullied to a certain extent, name called, something like that. I think it just bounced off me. I, I never felt like I was bullied. So really grateful for that. I, I didn't have an upbringing that was tough at all. I had a very wonderful childhood. I've got a beautiful family my friends are amazing. Um, I loved running around in the bush, doing all those sorts of things. One of my brothers, though, was, and I had to watch him go through that. And it used to torture him, but also having to watch him go through that because he wasn't bullied for any reason that made sense. He's a beautiful man. He is an absolutely wonderful dad. He's an incredible person. He was bullied for the most part because his little sister was better at sport than him. Right. And he didn't even You being the little like sister. Sport. I'm the only girl, yeah. And he didn't even like sport. He loved science and reading mm. and doing all that. So that, that's really hard for someone to comprehend. So mm. he doesn't talk that anymore. But I guess I use that example as a, a thing where you hear from a lot of people and who are the target of, you know, have been as a child bullied or in a corporate environment are getting bullied by their boss or their colleagues or someone like that. And the reason that a lot, like I'll, I'll get approached, I, I do a lot of motivational speaking and I'll get approached at the end going, oh, my adversity is not even close to yours and I can't even get over it. So what's wrong with me? And I always sort of say to them, I think adversity is such a relative experience. Um, and thankfully for me, I had a, a lot of wonderful people around me to help me make sense of it or to, to take me through the process or 
all those sorts of things. But I think that the difference between a lot of my adversities, which is, you know, two broken backs, all those sorts of things, they were much easier to process than what, say, bullying might be or domestic violence or something like that, where you're the target of something for no good reason at all, for simply being yourself or Mm. being different or being outside the box or something like that. And I think that plays a part into... I guess people's choice, if we're calling it that, to, to suffer when they're trying to process and they're trying really, really hard to make sense of adversity and it insults every part of their being and they can't seem to do that because it's so nonsensical. Um, yeah. And that's what I'm learning from a lot of people about that as well. Um, yeah, and, and that's something that's regularly popping up. And I think that's a beautiful thing that you're aware of that too because within that saying, I just want to say to people that, you you will suffer. We all suffer. So it's it, the the choice part is holding on to it for too long and then not moving through it. And like what you said, getting the support, uh, bringing the tools into place that allow us to shift through that. So if you're experiencing suffering, like don't say it with judgment. There's nothing wrong with you if you're suffering. But we know that right. okay, there's choices that we can make with the people that we work. Um, work with so like psychologists like you said or coaches uh, our community of people around us that support us you know holistically looking at things like what we chatted a lot about in the first episode with um, health and everything like that so the choice becomes are we going to choose to not move through this and get support and and do things on our own to support it and keep suffering or are we going to choose to take the hard road as well and do the work to to ensure the suffering doesn't continue and uh, one of the questions you said there, like right at the beginning of that that part of the chat was, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that uh, PTSD, so the post-traumatic stress disorder as opposed to the post-traumatic uh, stress growth. And I'm the same as you where I'd say I haven't studied it and I don't know the the depths of it like what the experts do. But through my experience, it, one, experiencing adversity, but also working with so many people experiencing adversity, uh, it's it's exactly like what you said. It's the way you look at it. So it's the perception of the experience and the yeah. the perception of the experience is made up of that person and their life experience before their challenge and before their adversity. And so if, you know, depending on their life experiences, their current, their values, their belief systems uh, and their, their feelings and, and their self-confidence and self-worth at the, those times. And then, so then the adversity happens and then based on where their perception already was of themselves and the world, it can be, you know, like what you said, I was very similar to you. So these challenges happen and we get pain, we get suffering, it fucking hurts and we get challenged by it all. And then we have this mindset to be, okay, so what am I going to do about it? How am I going to utilize this? And, you know, who am I going to use in my support network to help me get through this? And so we, that's a, that's a big thing. And when, when you said that those people in the crowd that come up to you and say, my adversities are nothing like yours and I still can't get over it. What's wrong with me? And straight away, I think that's what's wrong with you. The fact that you think there's something wrong with you. So, and then, so their self-talk is there's something wrong with me. I can't do it. Like, look, look at that person. So they're bringing comparison and there's something wrong with me. And you know, I've got to solve this problem that's wrong with me. Whereas it sounds like what you've done in utilizing, I've been through this before. It's a different adversity, but these are the things that work. So I'm just going to have a crack at it. And, and, and you do that. And uh, we'll talk about your book shortly, but I'm sure the book will be a good resource for people like that too. When they say, what's wrong with me? And you go, there's nothing wrong with you, but here's some experiences. Like maybe see how this fits into your perspective and just try a couple of different things. 
Yeah, I, I fully agree. Like, I've, there's a great book that I keep thinking of when we're talking about choice so much, and it's actually called The Choice. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it or no, read it, but who's it's, by, it's by Edith Eager, and I think she's one of the oldest surviving Holocaust survivors. Um, I just said surviving oh. a couple of times. Um, <laughs> so she survived. <laughs> But she talks about how everything's a choice and it, it truly is like adversity is inevitable. We're going to go through it. Like, like you said, pain is imminent. It's, it's just truly like, and it doesn't mean that you can't suffer when we lose someone or we, we have a catastrophic thing happen in our life that rocks our boat. You're allowed to feel that and, yep. and hurt really mm, about it. Normal. And you're allowed to do that for two days consecutive, three days consecutive, as long as you need to. But just know in your mind that the and there's a great quote actually. I might try and pull it up. It's um, the prison is your mind, the key is in your pocket. So every single one of us who aren't choosing to move forth, to to try and process, to grow through, to to get through it, to to just try and smile one day again when whatever it is that they're going through. The prison is something that we've created ourselves in our own head um, and we are the only people because we can get all the resources and help and whatever it is that we might think that we need to get through it, but essentially the key's in our pocket. And that's not to say you do it alone, but you need to take the key out of your pocket, unlock the prison and go, how am I going to help myself? Is it mm. to ring a psychologist appointment? Is it to ring a friend and tell them about my struggle or whatever it is that I'm going through? Is it to pat a dog or get your favourite coffee or whatever it is that sparks that that start of the journey to get through what you need to get through, there's only one person that can make that decision. And it's so interesting because I guess having gone through the things that I have, you get, you know, all these people approaching you saying, I wish I could do what you do. Everyone could do what I've done. Like you've been through horrific stuff, Robbo, and I have so much respect and it's profound like what what every like every person that you walk past is is has gone through something that has altered their life and some of them are huge things and others are little things but the little things sometimes impact us just as much as the big things and mm-hmm. like you said it really depends on what we're going through on a day-to-day level you know did you get enough sleep last night because the the person who doesn't let you in traffic is is probably going to cop a lot more abuse if you got like less sleep than more and so mm-hmm. there's so many determining that can really shape the way that we we lean into things but um yeah another thing is you know I would have just um you know how did you get through it and I and for me I was like I really didn't have another option uh, my choices were to die in certain instances when I get hit by a car or whatever it is mm. um or it was to fight and it became very clear to me then that I have two choices I don't really want that for me. I'm, I'm going to choose to fight and I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but that's the choice that aligns with who I am. And then when I made that choice the first day, it became so much easier the second day and the third day and the fourth day or learning to walk again. Mm. How did you do it? I chose to. Um, I had a lot of people helping me. Don't get me wrong, I didn't do it alone. But rather than feeling sorry for myself in that hospital bed, that rehab ward, whatever it was, I thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna die to try and <laughs> but, yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm I'm sure as hell not. Do you know what I mean? So yep. um, it, it's not that anyone's extra special who goes through hardship. Um, we all go through it, and and everything that we face into is a choice every single day. Yeah, I believe that so much. So I don't know if you've heard this either. Kind of on the flip side, but I've had people say to me, 
Rob, I've had a really blessed life too, and I haven't experienced any adversity and life's really good. And I think that's why I'm a bit like I procrastinate and I just feel like life's pretty easy. I haven't had anything that's made me really flip and have to make drastic changes. And that's probably why I'm still doing the work that I don't really enjoy, but it's like, it's pretty cruisy and I'm just waiting for something big to happen until like, I feel like that's what it would require before I actually make a change. Do you hear that from people a little bit? I actually don't, but um, interestingly, the one person I have heard that from is is a director of Kindness Factory now, and and he reached out wanting to get involved. He's you know marketing kind of expert, very good at what he does, has had global success doing it, and I won't share his name just because I haven't asked permission. But um, I said, oh, why why did you reach out to want to help? Like we we sort of had a connection prior to him offering that kind of service, and he said, look, Kath, touch wood. I'm a dad of two. I've got an amazing wife. I, I just haven't had that much to go through in life. And I just felt like, why do you have to wait for that thing to happen for you to kick into that that really? gear? Mm. Um, and I had so much respect for that because I was like, well done you for, again, making that choice. There's a, another very dear friend of mine. I should connect you guys because I think he'd be a wonderful guest. His name's um, Sebastian Terry. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. And no, I haven't. Please connect. A, I will. So he's the founder of a movement called 100 Things. And um, essentially what he did, he was 26, um, you know, did the uni degree, ticked that box, went overseas backpacking. Um, And while he was doing that, pouring beers, just earning some cash on the side, he got a phone call that would change his life. His best friend um, had passed away. Mm. And he was obviously quite upset. He'd learnt late and then logistically couldn't fly back home in time for the funeral, which upset him immensely. And so he sat down by himself in this hostel just crying because his friend had passed, as as you would, and sort of started, you know, when he was through the tears of that a couple of hours later, he kept thinking about his friend and how he'd passed away, which was just a party trick gone wrong. And he was like, you know what, if his friend, Chris, um, had have known that that was his last day on earth, would he have changed anything? You know, would he have done anything different? Would it? And he didn't think the answer was no. He thought he would absolutely have done exactly what he was doing. And he was like, I think he died very happily. Like he was mm. a man who lived true to who he was, regardless of anyone's moral code. He was a bit of a party animal, that kind of stuff. He was happy, right? So he asked himself the quite same question. He says, you know, am I happy? Like if I was to die tomorrow, would I die a happy man? And his answer was no. Mm. So he just got down a list got out a list of paper, sheet of paper and a pen, and he just started writing down a list of things like activities or bucket list items almost um, they would hope to achieve that he'd think might put a smile on his face and make him happy. And so, like, one thing turned into ten, and next thing there's, like, a 100 things on this list. And then he just went through the process of ticking them off, and he had no money or anything like that, but he had a credit card. And so number two on his list was to marry a stranger. So he got his credit card out. And he flew to Vegas and proposed to the hostel manager and married this stranger and annulled it straight away, right? And everyone just like (laughs) laughed, like really, really hilarious. Um, And then he's just like, rightly or wrongly again, it was the first thing that I intentionally set out to do that I wanted to do. And Mm. I got to tick it off this. And he said, I felt euphoric. And there was some way more meaningful things on this list. He's now like committed his life to helping others and Mm. helping others pursue their list. And his sort of mantra almost is, why wait? Like, why is it that we hear all these stories, probably not too dissimilar to mine, where a person goes through a life-altering, 
um, let's call it um, a car accident, a cancer diagnosis, um, whatever it is, this adversity, mm. and they go, you know what, I'm going to change my entire life because I had this experience that's profoundly shifted who I am and, and who I want to be and I want to kick into gear in case that thing happens and next time I don't make it. Mm. Um, and they go on to write the book and to, you know, sail the world and to do whatever it is that they're doing. And his sort of thing is, well, you don't have to wait for that moment. Like why do we have really? to and, and why do you have to wait for a dark moment to sort of think Create about a light, light moment? Mm. Yeah, like you don't really, do you? So essentially really it comes down to, again, probably two words. First is permission to say I give myself permission to prioritise myself right now for my own happiness, for myself but also my family or whoever it is around me. And then, again, it's just that simple word, that that choice that we all have a, a choice to, to to kick into gear. And, and you know, a lot of people could argue, well, I don't have the financial means. and we, None of this stuff has to cost you a cent. Um, mm. So, like, you know, for, in sense, it did to kickstart it. But sometimes it's the simplest things that we can do to prioritise ourselves. And when we're in adversity, that, that's not monetary. That's, again, that's choice. And that's digging deep into your soul to go, I can do this and and I want better for myself and the people around me who are supporting me. So, yeah, um, yeah super stuff. I'll, I'll definitely connect to them though. Brings up um, kind of the way that I think about things and obviously I experienced major adversity back in 2014 and um, that, that shifted a lot of things and that's what the reason for this podcast and and me going on a different trajectory and just looking at life very differently and in that way of, you just never know how life will pan out and just really living complete aligned with my values and beliefs and and my gorgeous wife and the way that we live life and people listening to this know and and you know you know I've connected with you several times from um Sweden and we lived in Spain for a few months and we travel and I was just telling you offline where we're about to buy a 40 foot bus and we're going to park it on a bit of land because that's the choice that we want to have our top core values my wife and I are a travel and adventure and it's you know, in alignment with that. And and we just do that. But, uh, and we've lived like that a lot pre-meeting each other. But then when my grandparents um, were killed, it made me live like that even more so. But it got to a point uh, just this year, actually, at the beginning of the year, and I said to Marie, there was a 90 kilometer cross-country ski race in Sweden and brutal, like it, just absolutely brutal, especially for a, a sprinter like myself. And, and and we got COVID a couple of weeks before and I, I got over that. And, and in the end, I just said, why wouldn't I? Because I, I also thought, no, I won't do it. I might flare up the sickness and different things like that. And in the end, I just said to Marie, fuck it. You know what? I'm doing it. Like I, have not, I haven't had any challenge or pain or adversities or anything in my life. Like life is really easy at the moment. I'm going to put myself through this fucking brutal thing just to remind myself of what pain really is and just that that mindset and just pushing through all the bullshit uh, that goes through your head when you're going through all of that. And I did it. It was the best experience and I was cramping up and couldn't walk, you know, afterwards and it was brutal, really brutal. But then um, unfortunately we had another adversity this year and, and Marie's, uh, one of her younger brothers uh, was was found dead in his apartment and, and it just kind of hit us at that time. And um, in that grieving period, we both just sat with each other and we said, are we living? Like, let's, we, we think we are because life has been really good to us and, and here's this adversity and are we living? And we talked it through and we reflected on all the choices that we have made and we are making and our visions and everything and all the choices that we're making. And we just went, we're fucking living. Like, would we change what we've done or what we're going to do? Nope. 
we're living. And it was just that beautiful feeling of, oh my God, we didn't need this adversity to shake us up and say, what have you been waiting for? Make that change. It was that really beautiful. And we deep, like we asked ourselves a lot of questions to make sure we weren't just bullshitting ourselves. And we just said, we're doing it right. Like we are living, life is very different now with two young kids. But as you were saying that, it just brought that up for me because I think that's a good thing for people to reflect on whether they have experienced or they're the ones that are saying that they haven't really experienced much is just to say that like what you said, it's that permission and then that choice and really knowing who you are and and the life that you truly desire and deserve and what you're going to do about it to, to live that life. Oh, I love that. Sorry to hear about your loss though. That's um pretty rough going. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was pretty full on yep, younger brother and um suddenly so it was it was a lot to deal with actually uh yeah, and, and like you said one of those reflections um that makes you just question to, to, to where you're at yeah. and what you're doing great outcome for you guys though to to really i mean it must be such a, a amongst the darkness of that experience to sort of have that light bulb go off and go we're doing it pretty well like mm. we, you know because a lot of those times that's when people have the perspective and have the, as you said, the opportunity to to go deep and and go, what do I need to change? And what a what a wonderful light moment within the dark moment for you guys to go, we're doing it pretty well, like we're mm. going okay here. I think that's pretty pretty amazing, and it, it goes to show the decisions that you've made together as a family um, to really reflect the people that you are. So it's not an easy thing to do. Um, Certainly not. But, but kudos to all of you for doing it. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> And it's not easy. I'll just elaborate on that. And the, the listeners have heard this, but you'll resonate with this where it's not easy. Like our life is amazing and we absolutely love it. And it sounds all glorious that we live in another country and we moved to Spain for three months, but we've got two toddlers. And, you know, the things of visas and citizenships and just traveling with young kids and relocating them and, you know, living in a van in Sweden, we're about to live in a bus. Like, it, it matches so many of our values, but it brings all of these extra fucking challenges. And we're like, yeah, bring it on. And it just brings up our shadow behaviors and it creates all of these tension points that we have to work through, which is really good as well. It just, my wife and I keep saying, what's our number one rule in our relationship? Crystal clear communication. So instead of us getting the shits and then not communicating about it, it's like, oh, there's a tension point. When the kids go to bed, let's talk about that. Or, you know, we address it in a very kind of just genuine um, and genuine way. So, yeah, like you said, it's it's it sounds all um, bells and whistles, but I can tell you now and any parents will be laughing thinking, yep, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a mum, but I've got a lot of friends with uh, kids of similar age and I, I can't imagine it would be an easy task. <laughs> <laughs> Life's not meant to be easy, right? And the the difficult things that we move through, as you know better than all of us, that uh, that that's uh, that's where the or if you choose to look at it that way, where the growth can come from. Kath, I want to loop back to um, what are the twelve attributes of kindness? Are we allowed to know, or is that what the book is about? No, you absolutely no. They're completely free and online, so it's not a it's not the twelve hidden secret herbs and spices. <laughs> No, so what happened was, um, you know, post probably our, our combo back in, was it 2017, you said? Yeah. Um, it was early 2018 I got given a wonderful experience and really sort of changed my life in terms of the audience that I got to speak in front of, you know, the likes of the Obamas, Dalai Lama and all those sorts of people. And, and very quickly my speaking career took off. Um, people from all around the world just wanted me to come in and, and share my story to, you know, big, small audiences, corporate, not communities, all those sorts of things. And 
I got very busy doing that. Um, and, you know, um, kindness wasn't something that, sorry, um, speaking wasn't something that I set out to pursue. It's just a byproduct of me being me and having a unique story, I think. And so that was all very exciting um, at the start. And it still is. I, I love I love speaking. It's it's a privilege that I don't take lightly. And um, any audience that I'm in front of, I'm always giving it 110%. So um, nothing like that. But I, I essentially, I got invited to speak at a very, probably the world's biggest company in the US in New York. And sort of, you know, five-star treatment, bells and whistles, first-class flights, accommodation, all that kind of stuff, plus a fee. I was like, wow, this is a huge thing. And I ended up getting there and um, I sort of went into the CEO's office, huge, um, and I just assumed it was for a briefing. Like when you speak in an organisation, you do a bit of a briefing and what what do you want to get out of the talk? What do your people need? Like what, 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 what give me a, a, a couple of insights so that I can really deliver. Um, not change my content but really own in on certain aspects of my talk so that they can get the most out of this. Um, and he's just like, no, no, I just really want to hear your story. And I was like, well, you know, I'm about to do that, but okay. So we sort of chatted, similar to like what I'd do on a podcast, like what we would have done back in 2017. And it's like an hour later and his assistant comes and knocks on the door and says, um, all right, Kath, like, um, yep, time's up. Like you've got your next meeting to the CEO. And so I was like, okay. And so as we're walking, I said, well, where should I set up? Where shall I set up for this talk? Thinking there'd be like an amphitheater that she'd take me to or staff room or, you know, thousands of people kind of thing and she said no no you're done what, what do you mean and I said oh what, where am I setting up though for the talk like that I'm, I'm here to do and she said no you've just done it like wow. said, what do you mean and, and she said oh no the CEO had heard your story he just really wanted to meet you um and I'd, I was like so you're telling me that I'm now leaving like I'm finished like that's and thankfully I had other things to do while I was there and but, but I sort of had to have that talk to myself where I was like, this isn't why I pursued this. This is not mm. at all what it was about. So it's kind of like scratching my head going, and I, I did feel a little bit ashamed of myself. I was like, how has my life led me to this moment? Um, and so on the way back to my hotel, I, I took myself into the nearest school and it was in a pretty low socioeconomic area. I was about half an hour away from the building I'd just been in and I was, I was grateful that I walked that day because I, I would have Ubered and all that kind of stuff um, had I not been as confused as what I was, I just need some air. So I walked into this school and I said, look, um, I'm an Australian. I've got a really unique story. I travel the world as a motivational speaker. Um, I'd love to share my story with, with your students. You can Google me, look me up. I'm legit, I promise. So they start Googling and they're like, wow, okay. Um, how much? And I said, no, 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 completely free. And I said, can you come back tomorrow? And I said, I, I absolutely can come back tomorrow. So made that a priority and, you know, as I sat there sharing my story with kids and saw their little faces change and, you know, they were old enough to hear some of the content and I had to sort of adapt it into age-appropriate ways of telling it. But I was just overawed and incredibly impressed by them um, and I was like, this is the audience I need to be in front of. Um, mm. If I want to see true change and kindness in the world, I need to get in front of kids. And so made a deal with myself for every sort of speaking engagement I did that put food on the table or, you know, helped me, you know, pay rent or whatever it was that I'd go into a school for free and, you know, word travelled very quickly and I had this very big backlog of schools wanting me to go in. And I bet. <laughs> okay. And this is back in Australia, right? 
Yeah, um, uh, globally as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but I was back here in Australia and so I had all these schools and I was learning a lot um, about, you know, the things that our kids go through that really, you know, they're the formulative years of our life. Like, And a lot of the experiences that we go through as a kid really shape the people that we are, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that happened. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get to all these schools. Like I've made a bit of a beast for myself here my own doing but um thankfully I ended up being introduced to Kaplan who are a global education provider and they said you know how could we help and I said um I'd really like to scale this I'm one person I can't get into that many schools but I think if we could create some kind of a kindness curriculum that would be really helpful they've got access to some of the best researchers and academics in the world so they said of course so they gave me access to those guys and we started chatting and I guess the, the the scenario or the predicament I said to them or, or problem I put in front of them I said if I if I take the world the word kindness or the or take kindness for what it is right and let's break it into thirteen pieces and thirteen being the number of years of schooling between kindergarten and graduation in year twelve um, and I was thinking well you could learn one thing you know one whatever these pieces are going to be called um, the attributes of kindness that make it what it is um, can be taught every year and you know you might learn trust in you one and then empathy in you two and then I was like okay no I'm not sure about this because trust to a five-year-old looks very different to what it does an 18-year-old mm. for example in terms of how you learn it right and so what we ended up doing is the, the 12 pieces of kindness essentially um, they came back to me and they're well, the themes are um, collaboration, compassion, um, empathy. This is going to test me. Positivity, perspective, um, gratitude. Um, I'm only at six. Um, oh, wow. Uh, mindfulness. So we ended up combining mindfulness and meditation. So 13 became 12. Um, self-acceptance, perspective, Um I just had one up. So let me pull up the, I'll pull them up right now. So we've got collaboration, compassion, empathy, gratitude, honesty, humility, humour, mindful meditation, perspective, positivity, self-acceptance and trust. And when you add all those together, yeah, when you add all those together, not only does it, you know, I guess the result become more kindness because you've learned about all of those skills along the way and the choice becomes kindness. Mm. But also it teaches a lot of resilience in kids. Um, and, you know, uh, like obviously well-being being a huge pillar in lots of school communities and things like that. Um, the social and emotional skills, like everyone's talking at the moment, certainly in the US, I'm learning um, in all of my travels over there is talking about this like the, the great, learning loss they're calling it um as a result of covid so kids not being mm. able to go to school in the way that traditionally they have and not many people are talking about the great social and emotional loss that our kids and 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 us as adults we've all been through it um have gone through as well so you know kids um what i'm hearing at the moment through a lot of our schools that are on our systems and all those sorts of picking up the phone and all that kind of stuff is you know collaboration for one is a skill that kids just don't have at the moment because they're not playing in the playground and having to share things and in the classroom sharing scissors and glues and 
all these sorts of things because they're in their home environment by themselves in front of a laptop um, with everything at the click of a button. So they're not having to learn how to collaborate with people and the wonderful things that can come as a result of collaborating, as in you're learning more, you're getting different perspective taking, um, you're able to have compassion for someone who can't learn at the rate that you can and all those sorts of things Mm. as well. And so, yeah, what the curriculum has done or those 12 attributes of kindness um, is it's just got age-appropriate activities. So let's take gratitude, for example, and it's in a a teacher might be like, wow, my kids just are really ungrateful for whatever reason or I'm I'm sensing that they could learn, like that they might, you know, grow from having an influence of gratitude in the classroom. So they just go on to thekindnesscurriculum.com and they'll just type in, you know, my class age is five years old um, and then they'll click gratitude and then they'll get a, an age of like, you know, how to teach gratitude to a five-year-old and they'll do book resources and online links. And it's sort of like this resource library where you can go on and, and pick any one of those 12 and then just click the age bracket that you want to teach that in and it will just pop up. Um, so it's um, it's something I'm really proud of and the, the, the kids seem to love it. Uh, we got like ambassadors involved in reading some of the books and, doing all those sorts of things as well. So um, there's Is it available like my- in homeschooling curriculums? Because we're going to homeschool our kids and travel the world and do it. I, w- I want the, the kindness curriculum to be a part of that. <laughs> it's available to every single person on the planet completely free. So um, it doesn't cost if there's any educators on here, if there's any, you know, during we, we launched it in, so it was, it was supposed to go out uh in 2020 in november um we had a project plan and all those sorts of things and as we all went into lockdown um a lot of teachers that i'd you know spoken to and all those sorts of things um they were like oh when's this curriculum coming and i was like yeah yeah as i discussed you know it's in in november and everyone's at homeschooling and kids were getting sent home like with homework that they'd been like finished by 10 a.m and the parents are going what am i going to do with my children and so all these people are reaching out, is it ready yet, Kath? And I'm like, guys, it's not. And so I rang Kaplan and I said, look, what can we do? We need to get this out a little bit quicker. So we've really fast-tracked it. Um, and so parents have been accessing it. Kids go on by themselves sometimes and do that. Um, teachers. Um, and I, I I never wanted to put it behind a paywall. It just didn't feel right for me to do that. And thankfully for me, it's not owned by me. It's, it's you know, Kindness Factory on it. And that's hundred percent due to the generosity of of Kaplan as an organization. So they've wow. licensed that IP kindness factory for free so that no person on the planet um can't access it. So wow. it was really interesting. Yeah, as we launched all these schools are jumping on board and parents starting conversations with their kids about Brilliant. you know if a kid comes home and said, you know, this you know, this person wouldn't play with me or whatever parents can come out with a resource and go look let's read this book it might resonate with you about how we can overcome this and have more resilience and well-being and um super interestingly very organically we've we've done no marketing so it's all been word of mouth and um getting hits from like germany and um and all those sorts of places as well so they were like all these articles were popping up about the kindness curriculum so So um and we're hearing around the world which was amazing so we ended up launching that in the US last year which is it's sort of still in pilot phase um it'll go into the UK so these are all the places that Kaplan have a presence but really mm. it doesn't um it doesn't preclude anyone uh, wherever you are if you've got a, a wi-fi connection or or internet access to internet you can you can grab it and download it and print it and do whatever the hell you want with it um, so is it kindnessfactory.com 
Well, you can get it. So you can go to kindnessfactory.com. There'll be a tab at the top that has the kindness curriculum, but the direct mm. link to it is just um, thekindnesscurriculum.com. The kindness curriculum. That's amazing, Kath. That's so good and so genuine for you too. It aligns with you as a, as a beautiful soul to contribute to the world in that way to make it a free resource for every human instead of a paid yeah. resource. I thought, what I thought you were saying was that it was a part of the school curriculums and it was only schools that, that bought into it and that's why I was asking if it was a part of the, the homeschooling curriculum. No, well, it is. Um, it is. So when, you know, in the design phase, um, I very quickly realised that, you know, teachers are, you know, we say it often, but like I saw firsthand the burnout that a lot of those guys are going through mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, it's not only they like, you know, having to be specialists in the the uh, the subject that they're teaching, but they're, they're you know, many psychologists and eating disorder experts and there's so many things that are going on for these teachers in terms of what they're having to now do. And there's not enough hours in the day and I was like, well, I don't want to be like another thing that they have to do, like yeah. where it's like it'll almost the too hard basket. So I was like, oh, how do I, what, what do I do with this? And I, I spoke to the curriculum writer of the content who's you know, got a doctorate in education and all those sorts of things. And I was like, you know, speaking to all these teachers and I just don't think it's going to be an, like another thing that they can do. Like how do we combat that? And so she said, that's really easy. We just align it to the existing curriculum. So it's not like you have to choose between a lesson in English or kindness or one of the associated attributes so collaboration, for example, one of them is, you know, build build a spaghetti tower. And so, you know, you get the spaghetti sticks and all that kind yeah. of stuff and you've got to work as a team to be able to do it, which is also incorporating elements of science. So mm. there's science in the background of it while you're also learning about collaboration. And so you're not having to pick one or the other. And so I think that might play into its success as well where teachers are like, well, amazing, I don't have to choose between one or the other. They're getting the emotional skills while they're getting the academia combine Mm. Um, and really all you have to do at the end of it is reflect on both and go what did we learn today Um, and what are the skills emotionally that you know was it fun playing with your friends while you did it or collaborating with them and working together as a team Um, and then you can explore that together and what are the benefits do you think well I got to I got to know Billy a little bit better I didn't know him before doing this you know what I mean so Mm, so um, good yeah, so it's been quite um, quite a cool journey to be on, um, and I'm I'm loving you know I, now that COVID's not not around as much, um, sort of loving being, you know, back in in school environments and and all those sorts of things as well as corporate and doing the speaking stuff as well. But um, I, I went back to a we've now like really focused on primary education. So initially we we're primary and secondary, and we've really narrowed our focus, uh, sort of realizing we can't be everything to everyone and mm. the lifespan student is a lot to cover so if we were to channel our limited resources let's go primary um that's where we're having the biggest impact and so we've gone early and I went and did a school talk the other day and you know there's some great questions at the end and talking about the benefits of kindness and all that kind of stuff never one we don't mention bullying or anything we just talk in and and talk about good stuff and it's like all right any questions and I'm like yeah yeah did you really like travel off kindness I'm like yeah yeah I did like and you know tell me about cricket and all this kind of stuff and so these little girls at the back, and you could tell they were a bit cheeky. I really liked them. And um, I said, yeah, what's your question? And she just goes to me, looks me dead in the eye. I'm doing this talk. And she goes, um, I was just wondering, do you have any allergies? <laughs> I was like, all the things that we've spoken about today, that's the question that you got for me. And I was like, cool. 
not really. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that you took something from my talk. So it's, it's, I, I just feel like kids keep you honest, don't they? Yeah. Like they <laughs> ask the questions that you might not think to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm fun with them. You said that at the start too, it's the developmental age too, because one thing that I've learned a lot about since becoming a father, knew about but really dived into and learning a lot more about the brain development. And like for the first seven years of kids, that's their formative years. And we're still like a whole brain at that stage. It hasn't developed into the left and right hemispheres. And and even from seven to, you mentioned 12, I can't remember the age that I learned about, but especially these younger years, that first five to seven years, all they do is download, not all, but mostly what they do is download information. So they're literally just download, 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 download. And then that's how their perceptions, that's how their reality is created from that first five to seven years of downloading. So for me as a parent, when I realized that, that's what I've been doing a lot of work to ensure that my influence on them is from love and connection and not anger and blame when I'm angry, so to say, because they're downloading yeah. those kind of influences. And so when I hear you talk about that, I'm thinking all of those elements, like these kids are just downloading, that's normal. Like we collaborate, we have humility, we are, um, and without, without even the word of kindness, like we we express empathy, we do all of this, like this is normal for us. And therefore yeah. what comes from them, their action is, it's kindness. That's the, the byproduct of all of these elements. Well, yeah, I think um, it, I, I, it's a great point. Like um, they're just little sponges, aren't they? Like they just and they want to learn. You can see them like really, truly trying to understand something and really like grasp it and take it in. And um, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm hearing through other charities out there that operate in the wellness space. So you know, it could be stigma or suicide prevention or whatever it is. Um, Batir, you're a big fan of, and so am I. And I think that's how we met. Um, but and, yes. and I'm hearing the stories of, you know, 12-year-olds who are taking their own life and mm. having severe mental health crises by the age of, I heard of a boy the other day who was eight who took his own life. Wow. When I was eight, I when I was eight, I reckon I was worried about what cricket game I was going to play next, um, mm. what brother I was trying to get revenge on and, and which lollipop I was going to choose next day for, for, for lunch, you know what I mean? And mm. I don't think they known what suicide was and so I think by the time we get to that secondary education space which a lot of um, preventative um, organizations operate in it, it almost is too late and mm. and as you said the formula is between five and seven if we can get to them at that age and teach them about these skills then imagine the impact that's going to have or, or the job that the, that, that yep. play the role that that plays in in the prevention of then secondary education where these other charities are operating in and having an influence and and like, let's work together like talk about collaboration like mm. there's no ego in kindness factor we just want to work with as many people as possible to to help our kids and to help our community thrive um if we can do that through learning these skills at, a, at an early age then absolutely like let's go so um, yeah, it's been a it's it's been a pretty special project to be a part of. You know, even five years ago when we met, um, I don't this wouldn't have been something that I dreamt of. So um, to be doing it and and living and breathing it every day is pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. And we we've kind of probably already answered this, and just mindful of time too. But just to wrap up, um, talking about evolution in over these five years, so. The podcast still exists, still the same name, but one of the things that I've come to realize is through my study of human behavior too is this principle of people uh, living unbeatable. And so this series uh, is called the Unbeatable Series. And by unbeatable, I mean, so 
people, you know, we have the opportunity to live these unbeatable lives and unbeatable doesn't mean that you are indestructible. It doesn't mean that you won't experience these challenges or adversities, either the major ones in life or the the small day-to-day ones like what we talked about. But it's this ability and responsibility to be able to choose to design your life and and your actions and your daily choices and your daily being to to not let these things beat us, uh, whether it's the major adversities or the the small daily things, whether it's the the screaming kids. And you asked a, a question there earlier. It was kind of an off the cuff one of, you know, did you get enough sleep last night? I can tell you now, no, I bloody didn't. We've still got kids that are getting over jet lag. <laughs> but just all of these kind of things and having processes in our life and um, to ensure that these, these small things and these big things don't beat us. So a question, I think you've kind of wrapped it up anyway, but to create clarity for all the people listening, what would your kind of key message be to people to help them live their unbeatable lives? Do you know what? I'm going to ask, I'll, I'll say I'll narrow it down to three questions. Um, and this is sort of how I wrap up any one of my corporate kind of presentations. Like I can share my story and I can say whatever I need to say and be inspiring, all that kind of stuff. But for me, being unbeatable, it comes down to three questions that I ask myself every single day. The first is, have you laughed today? Thanks to you, I've had Um, some good laughs. (laughs) Not not necessarily just to you, but if there's a person out there that hasn't, for whatever reason, because you Mm. might be having a bad day or things haven't gone that way or whatever, it's really not that hard to find a way to laugh. Like so many, like technology, I don't love it, but there's so many benefits that we can derive from technology. Um, We can talk about its negative impact and and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's here, it's here to stay. Let's use it for good. So FaceTime. Tell someone a joke, get someone to tell you a joke, go onto YouTube, um, find the funniest clip, clip that you can find, but find a way to laugh, like really belly laugh. Um, and my friends know me well enough, they'll send me like, you know, memes and stuff like that that they know will just absolutely have me in stitches and, you know, it releases all the chemicals and all that kind of stuff. And I can guarantee you that if you are having a bad day or if there is a challenge or a struggle that immediately after you've had that laugh, I promise you it won't be as hard to tackle. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's only a minute out of your day or whatever it is um but um why not like life is hard and we need to find moments in every day to laugh either at ourselves um or something i reckon and i just think it makes life so much lighter um so that's my number one that i do every day to be unbeatable the second question that i ask myself and others is what are you grateful for and i know that you're the master of this so i lo- like love following you so addicted much addicted to gratitude <laughs> And your voicemail, um, I think I actually, it, my, my voicemail is an inspiration of yours. So I don't know if it's still the same, but I, I used to love calling you and I, I sometimes secretly hoped that you wouldn't answer because <laughs> I'd get your voicemail. And it would be, you know, yeah, it's Robbo, um, leave your message. But one thing I do want to know is, you know, what's the thing that you're most grateful for today? And it's such a, mine I now say it's, it's Kath, leave a message. Um, but before you do, I need to know what's the kindest thing that you've done for yourself or someone else. And that's oh, the inspiration of brilliant. I've adapted that one, but, um, but it's oh. so powerful. And I always like to say about gratitude, actually, here's something that I do now as well. Um, you know, everyone says, write down three things that you're grateful for. You do it 21 days consecutively, it rewires your brain, etc. Absolutely agree with it. Um, practice it every single day. It takes me less than two minutes. But um, when I might be, you know, lower in spirits or struggling, I'll take more of a moment to really feel that. But I always like to say someone rather than something. Mm. And my favourite thing about gratitude or analogy about gratitude is this. Let's say it's your favourite person. Let's think of them for a second. It's your favourite person. It could be um, your wife, 
child, your best friend, whoever it is, just someone who you just adore, like your favourite person. You couldn't imagine life without them and it's their birthday coming up. And so you're like, you know what, I'm going to get them the best gift they've ever had. So you're like, okay, I know what it is. It's in my head. I just really want to make their day. So you go to the shop, you buy them the present, you pay for it and you wrap it up. You might even put the bow on it, tie it up, love hearts, whatever it is that you need to do that gift. And then you throw it in the cupboard and never give it to them. It's a complete waste. Mm. So what I like to say about gratitude, so feeling it and not expressing it is exactly the same. Mm. It's a complete waste. So if it's your wife, for example, or someone else, and, and if I speak in front of thousands of people in an audience and I say, you're probably thinking of them right now, who is it? Have you told them? And mm. I know that a man like you would have, but there's not many people that go, I have. Yeah. Like honestly, everyone right. sits there and shakes their hand and they might start crying or something. And I go, do it today. Don't don't mm. wait. Like because I promise you life, life, life is not going to wait for you. Tell yeah. them. Like ring them up right now. Like go out and leave my talk if you have to, but ring them and tell them, hey, it's Kath. Just wanted to thank you for being in my life and for showing up for me in every which way that you have. This is what I love most about you. And I just needed you to know. And I can guarantee you um, that anyone who hasn't done that and then goes and does it, one, not only do they feel good, it's the greatest gift they'll give that person, but also the connection that they have with that person is going to be a hundred times stronger, mm. like a hundred times stronger, just from that one fleeting conversation, phone call. Hopefully it's more than a fleeting one. But if you're taking the energy to do it, then I can guarantee it'll be a longer one. But not many of us stop and just do that, right? Like my best friend, I couldn't live without her, Erin. And it's an often thing that we now do. I'm like, hey, I just needed you to know. But I, 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 I don't want life to pass by without you knowing that you're so important to me. Um, and, and I don't think many of us do it um, very often. I think it's something that we can all afford the time to do. Another good thing um, I read about, you know, support networks and people is there's this man who went into one of my talks and he um, – at the end of it, you know, you got like a favorites column in your phone for like in your dial list. Yep. So what he did was he sort of picked out 10 people and I probably wouldn't do this to 10. I'll probably do it to five, I reckon. And you just put the star on them. So they're your favorite contact. And when he gets into his car, there's a favorites column that pops up on the screen, like when you plug your phone in. And so every day on his way home from work, rather than listening to the like radio or music or whatever it is, he just dials one of them. And he's hey. like, one of them going to cycle through and one of them's going to pick up one of the 10 will pick up i know they will on my drive home and it's a connection point that i'm going to have and i'm going to tell them every single time one thing that i'm grateful about about them as so it's really like little tricks that you yeah yourself, love but, that. yeah but my favorite yeah like my biggest thing about gratitude is i always think it's so much more profound and powerful when you choose someone rather than something yeah. um so that's my second question. And my third, um, for living an unbeatable life, is what's the kindest thing that you've done today? So um, obviously there's like no trick there in, in Kindness Factory and, and how much an important and integral role kindness has played in my own life. But I always sort of preface that as well, especially for, for people who are giving so much of their energy, is that kindness to self counts as well. Um, so mm. whenever we get on a plane, the first the first sort of message that we hear is the safety one. You know, in, in case of an emergency, oxygen masks will fall down from the ceiling, put yours on first before helping others. Um, and there's a reason that they say that. It's because we can't help others before we've helped ourselves. So 
be kind to yourself um, and then kindness to someone else. It doesn't have to cost you a cent. Um, kindness is, is so important and I think mm. it's more important now than it's ever, ever been before. So we can't neglect it. Um, and, again, it's it's not monetary stuff. So kindness for me, it, it, it's going to my favourite coffee shop, you know, to pick up my coffee if, if I can mm. do that um, and I have the time to do it every day. It's calling people and t- that that's kindness to me like because it lights me up right telling people I'm grateful for them patting a dog telling someone that I love them um you know changing your bed sheets like whatever kindness is to you like do that um and then kindness to others um and I can guarantee you like from the kindness or the outward facing element of kindness that it, it honestly has the power to change like the life of a person that you haven't even met yet that, that that's the true power of kindness yeah. and 4.2 million examples of that um, where lives have been saved and multiple conversations have happened and life-altering moments and, and all those sorts of things. So um, they're my three sort of questions um, that, that help me to live an unbeatable life or pull me out of the trenches if I need it or, or whatever, but they're three things I can't live without. I love that. And um, I have a list that's called my FFA list, my feel freaking, or depends who I'm talking to, feel fucking awesome list. And on that feel fucking awesome list is gratitude and also big belly laughs because they make me feel fucking awesome. So it's not just about exercise and kissing my gorgeous wife on the neck and certain breath work and cold showers. It's also big belly laughs because they make me feel freaking awesome. Um, Gratitude, I'm addicted to it. And kindness, since your influence all those years ago, has been a big part of the recipe as well. And it just hit me then when you were saying that too, the outwardness of kindness to someone else is what can help change their perspective. So what you said there was it's people's choice and people's perspective of how they can either um, feel like they can or can't move through their adversities and their challenges. Like that question back at the start when someone says, I haven't experienced what you've experienced. I can't move through it. What's wrong with me? And so acts of kindness towards someone else can actually give them that little boost of confidence or that little boost of self-esteem to see themselves differently, see the circumstance differently, and therefore take a slightly different action. So that's why we know that that ripple effect of kindness is literally life-saving and life-changing in many different ways. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. Beautiful. Kathy, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners before we wrap up? No, I mean, mate, it's an absolute privilege to know you. So, um, no, um, nothing more for me to add, um, but it's just been a, a big thrill for me to be able to come back and um, and to catch up. And I think I'm up in the Gold Coast soon, so um, I'll ping you separately and, and we can catch up and... Please do. We should be on the bus by then so you can come around and uh, babysit the kids and Marie and I will escape and you. good luck with you and the kids on the bus. <laughs> Thanks for that offer. That's very kind of you. <laughs> you bet you are. No, I love that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Kath, you're a legend. You're a prime example of really like living life from, from heart and soul and uh, just proving that regardless of life's challenges and life circumstances, we can really rally people around us and uh, make choices, even though it's not easy to, to live our unbeatable life. So massive heartfelt gratitude and keep shining your abundant and unbeatable life to the world, my girl. Absolutely. Thanks, Robbo. There you go. What an inspiring, kind and unbeatable legend Kath is. Kath's book that she mentioned is coming out Feb 2023, so be sure to jump on and follow her online and join the Kindness Factory or just kindness journey in itself at kindnessfactory.com 
or on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Kindness Factory. Ah, my heart is warm. My soul is singing after having Kath's presence on here again. And just a quick reminder for any guys who are keen to create their unbeatable lives and join a tribe of unbeatable men and mentors, you can learn all about it at brettrobbo.com forward slash unbeatable you. Keep thriving and as always, remember, if not now, then when? If not you, then who? This is your opportunity to live unbeatable. Unbeatable.